Welcome to the Replant Podcast, providing biblical insight and encouragement to reclaim declining and dying churches for the glory of God and the good of our communities. Hey, welcome to the Replant Podcast. My name is Bob Bickford, and I'm joined by Mark Clifton. I am Mark Clifton, and I'm joining together right now. Uh, Bob Bickford. So you need to be put back together. So I'm joining him together. Thank you. I feel better. Do you? Yeah. Good. Well, hey, we are here live in Alpharetta. We are Alpharetta, Georgia, which is the uh, the peach capital of the world. Actually, did you know that? I did not. It's really not. I don't know. I just said that. I don't know. I lived in Alpharetta thirty years ago. Yeah. Uh, and it was nothing but just like woods and a few houses and a subdivision or two. And uh, now it's just this amazing, huge suburban community. And the North American Mission Board has their office right here in Alpharetta. And we're here this week uh, encountering all kinds of great people from the North American Mission Board talking about how we're going to reach America and how we're going to engage churches and how we're going to raise up leaders and raise up planters and raise up replanters. It's a great week to be here. It is. We're thankful for uh, NAM's support of replanting, and they've been uh, working hard to help us fulfill our mission to reverse the death and decline rate in churches in North America. Yeah, and something that really has to be done. I think there are more churches dying than we are aware of. You know, we always use the figure 900. But we looked at some research yesterday that indicates it's probably closer to 1,000. And um, we really have to address that because the number of churches we plant is about that number. So that means basically... Uh, we're at the same number of churches year after year, maybe even declining a little bit, uh, certainly not in any kind of growth rate and not keeping up with population. And again, we're closing churches where we have churches. It's not, it's not that we're closing churches out in the middle of nowhere or in towns that are, are, are no longer in existence. Uh, we may close a few. In fact, the last numbers we looked at, uh, there were 10% of the churches that closed were in communities of under 10,000. Now, the other way of looking at that is 90% of the churches that closed were in communities larger than 10,000. Yeah. And 77%, are you writing these numbers down? I am. Just go ahead. If you're in the car, pull over and write these numbers <laughs> Please down. Please pull over. Because I know when people start throwing numbers at you, you're, you just you, your attention goes up. You just have to turn this podcast up. Oh, honey, listen, he's ripping off numbers. I can't wait. But listen to this one. 77% of all the dying churches were in communities over 100,000 people. So we are closing churches where we need churches, and we have to address that. Well, one of the realities about those churches that close, Mark, is that they're filled with a lot of senior saints, senior adults. Really? How do you know that? Well, I, mean, I replanted a church, and it was filled with you senior know, I, adults. I had never really made that connection before. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, they are. Uh, the older adults are the primary uh, uh, placeholders and pew holders of dying churches. I've often said I've never gone to a dying church and the church said to me, here's the problem, Mark. We have too many young men between the ages of 18 and 35. Right. They're just everywhere. You right. know, what they always say to us is what? We don't have any young people at all. Mm -hmm. It's just us, you know, and we're getting older and we can't get out at night or we can't, we can't do what we used to do. And, and, uh, and they're getting older and have less mobility and less ability to do the things they used to do, and they're concerned about their church. And there are fewer and fewer children and fewer and fewer young people. And, Bob, I've been in a lot of churches, not a few, but a lot of churches in the last two or three years that had zero kids in the nursery, yeah. zero kids in Sunday school, zero youth in the building. Yeah. Basically, everybody there is 50 and above. Yeah. 
So uh, today we really want to talk about uh, how you love those senior saints who, in many cases, were the ones who uh, did the work, uh, gave their gifts financially and otherwise to help build that church. But now you find them, uh, as you mentioned, they're kind of fearful, they're tired, uh, but they're still people who God's called us to love, right? Yeah, they're often wounded and hurt, and they can react to you in that way. You know, let me just be honest with you. My observation is, and this is not a study of geriatric people. I don't have any background in that, except that I, we're getting closer. I, I, I am becoming a geriatric, yeah. but um, my just my intuition, just my life observation tells me that generally, when people get older, one of two things happen: they either become sweeter, or they become more grumpy. I mean, hardly stay the same. And you got some folks who, like, the older they get, the sweeter they get. You think, yeah. oh, my goodness, I, I can't get enough of being around these sweet, dear people. Yeah. And then you've got some saints, uh, I suppose they're saints, you've got some people who, the older they get, they just get more bitter and more angry and more defensive. And, uh, man, it's just hard to be around them. Um, some of that may actually be... Uh, Physiological, right. it, it may be some some mental conditions, and right. we got to be very sensitive to that. Right. They may not have the the capacity they once had to handle their emotions and deal with their emotions, and so sometimes the things that they normally would have kept in check, uh, they no longer can. So sometimes they can lash out in a way that maybe thirty years ago they wouldn't have because there's there's some things not going on emotionally and mentally. Right, there's uh, a physical process. Yeah, that there there place. is. But but at the same time, there are those, you know, I, I always say when, when we grow older, man, I want to grow sweeter. I don't mm-hmm. want to grow more sour. And uh, uh, certainly when you go to a church replant and it's full of elderly saints, uh, there are going to be some there who are just going to be the sweetest people in the world. And, and it's likely that for your own sanctification, God's going to place some elderly saints there who are going to be very difficult to work with. Right. I, I do remember early on in our replant, uh, this was kind of a humorous story. We were trying to go out to lunch or visit in the homes of every single senior adult and every person that was part of our church, which really was mostly senior adults except for about four or five people. And uh, so one Sunday afternoon, we went to a local cafeteria called Miss Sherry's, and I'm with the four oldest ladies in our church, and I think they're, um, at this point, uh, all in their 70s. And, you know, we were there, my, me and my family, and I remember the conversation around the table, and I remember one of them saying, you know, I'm just old enough right now where I don't care what people think, and I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. <laughs> I remember my wife looked at me like, right. all right, here we go. Yeah. Right. And and so there are people like that. How do, how do we love them? How does a replanter love them well if they're that type of person? Well, if you're going to be a replanter, one of the uh, eight characteristics that we've identified God using is a an ability to engage in multi-generational ministry. Right. So you have to have a comfort level of working with 20-year-olds and 90-year-olds. And you have to have a value in 90-year-olds. You have to you have to love them and see them as potential uh, disciples and uh, that their life is not over yet that every day they're here on this earth God has a plan to use them for his glory. And do you do you want to engage them? Do you want to learn from them? Do you find their their worth and their value in the kingdom because they're still here? Uh, so you have to have uh, an affinity for multi generational ministry, a commitment to it, a love of it, an affection of it. If you don't, you really can't replant a church. And I know I would say sometimes if you're thinking of replanting, seriously, go to a Go to like a, a care center in your neighborhood, uh, uh, assisted living perhaps, or even independent living. 
if it's just a if it's just a you know a full nursing home that's a little different right but if it's if it's independent living and maybe you can uh, do some volunteering around there and be around some people who have still some independence but are in their 70s or 80s Get a sense for how you're working with them, uh, how you can interact with them. Um, you know, they're not a monolithic group. They're they're different. Like I said, there's some very, very sweet ones and some very bitter ones and maybe some in between. Uh, my experience is it's kind of either or, but <clears throat> I'm sure there's some in between. But overall, people in that age group tend to process information differently, tend to come to decisions right. in a different way, uh, tend to react to change differently. Uh, it's like you have to tell them, you don't have to tell them, but it's like it's best if you tell them. Now, look, we're gonna we're gonna change here in about six months, and then you keep reminding them we're gonna change this, we're gonna change this, we're gonna change this, so that they're they're fully prepared. What they can't handle very well are quick, sudden movements, sure, uh, and changing something very drastically. Whereas younger people find that perhaps exciting and and can understand it and don't mind making corrections. If you change too quick, you can change back. Sometimes with older people, if you make a change, you say, "Hey, that's not right. We're gonna change back." You lose all credibility with them right. because they, they don't understand that going back and forth. Uh, but more to the point, Bob, so I'll quit rambling here. I think it's important for those of us uh, who are still in the second quarter or maybe third quarter of life, not yet in the fourth quarter, I think it's important for us to realize how difficult the fourth quarter is. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to realize that these people are losing everything. I mean, it's, and it's a result of the fall. It's a result of sin. Your body is aging. You're giving uh, into cataracts and arthritis and heart disease and bad knees and bad hips and everything else uh, because of the fall of man. This body is dying. And so it's, when you look at people who, whose bodies are, are really dying in front of us and they're going through all kinds of pain and, and difficulty as growing old, you need to embrace them because that is a, a sign of the fall. Now, obviously, uh, when they come to know Christ, there's a new heaven and a new earth one day. There'll be a new body one day, and, and, uh, and we, this corruptible will put in corruption. So we know there's hope in that. But yet in this life, uh, this body is dying and decaying uh, even while we're in it. And in addition to that, uh, they're losing some of their independence. They can't right. they can't drive as far as they used to. It's quite possible they might want to go. You know, maybe they like uh, K State football. We're gonna we're gonna drive to the bowl game in Tucson. Who and, likes K State yeah, football? Yeah, but, but check this. Yeah, really. But let's say they like K State football, <laughs> okay. and they say we're gonna drive to the bowl game in Tucson. Yeah. You know what? Their grown children will say to them, "Mom, Dad, we don't think you need to drive that far." Mm. That's a very hard thing for adults to hear. Mm-hmm. It's a very hard thing for them to hear from their children. Hey, I raised you. You know, I worked 40 years in this job. You know, I know what I'm doing. And yet the children are saying, Mom and Dad, it's probably not a good idea for you to drive that far by yourself. That's tough. That's tough. And then that moves from, Mom and Dad, you probably shouldn't be driving at all. And that moves to, if they if they don't, if the Lord doesn't call them home, that will eventually move to, Mom and Dad, you need to move in with us. Or, Mom, you're going to have to move in to a care center, or, and so they know that everything about their life is changing rapidly, and they're losing control, even their finances. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a chance that they may have to turn over the control of their finances to their children. That's a very hard thing to do for people who have been self-sufficient right. all their life. Right. And so how to make a phone call. I mean, they don't go to the phone anymore and dial a phone that's got a cord onto the wall. They got to use a hand phone, a cell phone. They got to use a smartphone. Uh, they've got they got great-grandchildren that come over, and when they come over, they're on the Internet all the time. They're on Facebook and Twitter all the time. They'd, there's so much about life they, they, they just can't absorb. It's changing so quickly. However, two hours a week, 
They can walk into a building yes. that looks exactly like it's always looked, smells exactly like it's always smelled, feel exactly like always feel. And check this out, Bob. They know everything that's going to happen and the order in which it's going to happen. Right. There is an unimaginable that's an unimaginable island of security and comfort in the midst of everything else falling away from them. Right. And so then some young church replanter comes in there and says, hey, guess what? We're going to take the pews out, and we're going to put up a backdrop behind the stage, and we're going to completely change the music and all those songs songs you've sung all your life. We're not going to sing them anymore. And their heads explode, and they go, no, I'm drawing the line right here. Everything else in my life is spinning out of control, but this is the last thing. And they, they identify this with, with God and with Christ and with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And they say, you, you can't take this away from me. But here's the reality. It's not the gospel. It's not Christ. It, it is a false security. They are finding a false security in the way that church functions, smells, feels, and looks. It's a false idol. An idol is something you run to for comfort and security. And these older folks are finding their comfort and security, and I know this is a hard thing to say, not so much in Jesus and his cross, but in uh, Clear Creek Baptist Church and its pews and the songs we sing and the, the structure we have and the sameness of it. And that's a false idol, and you know it's a false idol if you're afraid of losing it. Right. And you're afraid every day somebody's going to come in and take this away from you. Whereas if your idol is Jesus, you never fear of losing him. As Paul said, if I'm in prison, if I'm free, if I'm hungry, if I'm fed, I'm content. I have Christ. In other words, he's there. He's got all he needs. So we have to see that these people are feeling panicked and afraid, and change is something that they don't want to do. And at the same time, we have to genuinely and gently and very slowly help them release control of the idol of church as it is, and again, only embrace Jesus and the gospel as their true love. Yeah, that is so important, and and there's so much that goes into that. I mean, intellectually and spiritually, we all understand that. But we, on this side of that divide, on on the old, you know, becoming uh, those people that that struggle with change, uh, becoming older ourselves— on this side of it where we don't struggle with it, it's hard for us to imagine that somebody can forget the true um, reason and purpose for a church gathering is to glorify God and to be on gospel mission. So we have to earn the right to be heard. We have to love them well. We have to teach them well. What what would you say about uh, some of those initial steps? Because yeah. this is not going to be solved by no, one message it's not. And, or Sunday school class. And you know, I know this is kind of a for a replant podcast with Two guys like us who didn't score very high in uh, seminary uh, grade point <laughs> average. Hey, come on now! I could. I, I think I did a little better than that. I did not. Okay. Okay. You were busy. I, you were I, working. You were I not, I not only pastor normative sized churches. I have normative uh, grade okay. marks. Okay. All right. And this is kind of heady for uh, for those of us who are not deep theologians. But not only are we in a fallen state in our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. But because of the fall, because of sin, we are in a fallen state even in our minds. Um, You know, when Jesus went to the temple at age 12, he astounded them with his teaching and his questions because he was the only person ever on earth whose mind had not been affected by the fall. He was completely clear in his thinking. Um, While God allows our minds to to be able to grasp the gospel and embrace the gospel and, and do other great things, it is still in a fallen state. 
And so I think when we look, why are these? Why do we so so easily succumb to worshiping an idol of a form of church or a style of church? You know, I don't think it's because we're necessarily. Um, I think it's because our, we we have to battle just like we have to battle the, the, our physical bodies de- decayed. We we are we have to battle with our minds. You know, that's why the scripture says to to to, to renew your mind, renew your thinking. Uh, it's a constant. If we don't do that, uh, we will submit and and succumb to to bad ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, even as a pastor, I don't want you to see. Here's what I'm trying to say, Bob. I don't want you to see and think, well, these people are just idiots for thinking that. I want you to see even their inability to really grasp Jesus rather than this this form of church as their first love, that is really an issue of the fall. It's an issue of sin. It's an issue of a mind that's not fully conformed to God's Word. Right. And so it's a pastoral issue. It's not just, you guys just need to drop this and quit it. It's And here's the deal. It's Piper says this, John Piper. I don't think he listens to this podcast, but I, he might. He might. No, I don't think. You don't so. think so? No, I, I would think less of him if he did. Actually, <laughs> I think it's, it's like the old Marx brother. I wouldn't join any club that would have me. So I'm going to email him a link. But here's, podcast. but you know, Piper, uh, his his really powerful statement that you defeat sin by pursuing a superior pleasure. Yeah. So we defeat this idol of of the church as we know it, not by guilting them into it or telling them it's bad, or but by helping them embrace a superior pleasure and that's the gospel right and so it is through your preaching through your conversations with them your gospel conversations through intense prayer for them and with them through the way you model the gospel in your life and again through your preaching you preach christ 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 you get their hearts to warm to the gospel you preach christ right and and when they begin i've seen it happen bob over and over and over these elderly saints when you preach christ consistently and you speak about christ in your conversations you see their hearts begin to warm back to the gospel Mm -hmm. and listen you see their minds begin to be renewed and transformed, and you see the grip that sin and Satan has on their minds begin to be released, and they begin to pursue a superior pleasure. They may never like the music that you sing in the church. Mm -hmm. They may never really like the fact that the pews have been taken out. They may never really like the fact that there's no more Sunday night church. But they love the fact that the gospel's being preached, that lives are being transformed, and that joy outweighs the loss they feel. And that's where you want to go as a replanter. Absolutely. I, as you were saying that, it reminded me of uh, a lady who's in our church that was the founding, uh, one of the founding members in the launch. She signed the Articles of Incorporation, and she actually sang the first special music ever uh, in our church. You remember what special music is? Most of our listeners. Uh, in not. most of the normative-sized churches I've pastored, special yeah. music was not all that special. No. I'm just saying. Well, it was special. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, it was special. But anyway, this sweet lady, um, 94 years old, uh, has labored with us and been patient and been frustrated, but um, I think has come to to really kind of embody and, and accept what um, what you described there. And and I, re- I recall her saying on a number of times when we got together at members' meetings, uh, she said, I don't know why God has made me or called me to stay here. I, I miss my friends, but I'm still sticking around to see what he's going to do. And so she has that sense of, of God's on the move and God's doing something. And um, over the last couple of um, 
months, we we have uh, been blessed with adding new babies to our, our church. And so 94-year-old Dottie uh, loves to hold each of the new babies and be introduced. And there's no greater joy on a Sunday when a new baby comes to church and I see Dottie running over to, to meet the baby and the, the family smile. It's a beautiful thing. So um, last night we were traveling on a two-lane Alabama highway to go over to speak to a, a, a church over in Gadsden, Alabama, and um, you were sharing with them a story that I think would be great to close the podcast with. You talked about uh, your dad. Oh, yeah. And his keys, yeah, and your kids, yeah, absolutely. I tell all you know. One of the ways you you help older adults pursue a superior pleasure is you help them realize what an amazing opportunity they have to impact their great grandchildren. Right? Maybe their grandchildren, although sometimes their grandchildren are grown by that time. But the great grandchildren, and look, it doesn't make any. I don't think it makes any difference if if you say as you're a great grandparent, you say to these young. Uh, school-age children or grandchildren you have, you guys need to go to church. You need to be in church. And then you just complain all the time. Right. And you complain about how nobody cares about you. You complain about how the church doesn't like you anymore, how you don't like the music, you don't like that we don't have pews. New pastor. You don't yeah. like the new pastor. Or, you know, you, you complain that, that uh, you know, you can't, you, you can't drive at night and your knees hurt. And if all your grandchildren and great-grandchildren hear, you, hear us do when we get to be that age is, is complain... Um, they're they're not going to hear the gospel in that, but here's here's the opportunity we have to, as Spurgeon said, to let our infirmities become a platform on which to display the grace of God. Here's the deal, Bob, and it's in our age or any age, but especially as we grow older and our infirmities increase, mm-hmm. make sure that every infirmity you have, you ask God, how can I use that to glorify you, and how can I use that to communicate to my grandchildren that you are sufficient. And I, I put it to you this way. Uh, my own father, when my sisters had to have the conversation with him and basically we had to take away his keys, uh, you know, we would ask him, you know, how do you feel about not driving? And obviously, you've driven all your life, right? You remember that first time. I remember being 16, the first time I was in a car all by myself. And it's like the most amazing feeling what in the world. What kind of car was it? It was a 1970 Buick Skylark. Oh, dang, I just gave out my uh, password for everything. <laughs> anyway, it was, a, it was a 1970 Buick You need Scott. a new password. I got to get one now. Oh, I'll tell you what. Um, you think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Okay, so you're driving your yeah. 1976. Yeah, whatever. So you remember the first time you drive. Yeah. So how do you feel? You know, How do you feel that day when your grown children come in and say you can't drive anymore? I mean, it mm. takes away your independence. And sure, my, my dad, you know, he, he was sad about that, and, and everybody would be. That's a loss. But you know what he said? He said, you know what? It's, it's really a good thing because now I have more time to sit here and read my Bible. And we gave him a big uh, magnifying glass so he could read his Bible. And he said, and I can pray. Hmm. Anytime someone comes to my mind that I need to pray for, and I'm right here by the phone, and I can pick the phone up, and I can call them, and I can pray with them on the phone. So I have much more time to do that. And what that says is, I don't need Jesus and a set of keys. I don't need Jesus and a good pair of knees. That sounds like a hymn. We're doing a bluegrass song. No, we're not. I I don't need Jesus, you know, and my eyesight. I don't need Jesus and my ability to live on my own. To be able to say to our grandchildren... I just need Jesus. And if I can't drive, Jesus is enough. And if I can't walk, Jesus is enough. And if I have to move into a care center, Jesus is enough. 
And that's the kind of gospel, the kind of sermon, the kind of message that your grandchildren will never forget about you. So we try to help older adults realize that this time in their life, while it is painful and sorrowful and challenging, it can be an amazing time for them to leave an amazing legacy of the gospel to their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren. That's a great story. I think it's a great place for us just to think about all the replants or churches that need to be replanted and the senior adults and for us to pray. Well, I, we, we haven't closed out a podcast of prayer, but I think maybe I would ask you to pray for the senior adults that are sure. in, our, in our churches. Yeah. And Jesus, I thank you for the senior adults that you've given us, for the years of the gospel that they have uh, experienced and lived, for the amount of money that they've given to kingdom causes. But mostly, Lord, I thank you not for what they've done for you, but Lord, I thank you for what you've done for them and what you're doing for them even every day as your mercy is new upon them every hour. So, Lord, I pray that they'll look for their joy and their love and their happiness in you and you alone. And I pray you'll help pastors and replanters lead them in finding that joy so that these last years, while they might be some of the most difficult and challenging from a human standpoint, can be the most rewarding uh, in terms of living a life that is fulfilling in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Replant Podcast. For more information on replanting, check us out at churchreplanters.com or nam.net. Thank you for listening to the Replant Podcast, a resource of the SEND Network of the North American Mission Board. For more information, visit churchreplanters.com.